When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. we start to pray, we're asking you, our friend watching through television, to join us as these are joining us here in the Big Tent Cathedral. We want your compassion, your prayers. We want you to open your heart and help us pray. And pray for yourself. You may need a healing. And if you would like us to pray with you personally, you just write us. You, you can reach me this week by a letter. After many episodes on televangelists, faith healers, and scammers, today we're finally discussing one of the founders of it all. The seed of seed faith, one of the roots of the prosperity gospel, Oral Roberts. God's man for this hour, the Reverend Oral Roberts. He quite literally wrote the book on seed faith, and he's known for his aggressive faith healing tactics. And by aggressive, I mean like literally grabbing someone's head, pressing his palm against their face, and shouting that Jesus will heal them type of aggressive. But I shouldn't really be surprised. This is a man that's known for flair. As Oral's son Richard explains, seed faith is all about giving to God in order to get something in return. You might think that's some pretty bold language, and he'd disguise his wording as something a bit more generous or subdued, but at least Richard is pretty forthcoming with what message he's trying to spread. On his website, it reads, quote, When you give or sow your seeds of faith, you are expecting to reap the benefits. Just as when a farmer plants his seed, he doesn't just throw his seed on the ground and walk away. He cultivates the ground, and he expects a harvest to grow. So, obviously, just... Don't give out of the kindness of your heart. Instead, give a bunch of money to the church and you'll be rewarded. Isn't there something in the Bible? Maybe I'm totally wrong here, but I definitely thought there was something in the Bible about the whole, like, you know, give for the sake of doing good, not give because you want something in return. I don't know. Apparently it doesn't apply even if it's in there. Eventually, of course, the church and the pastors like Richard Roberts will be rewarded immediately with your money when you give. But, you know, we don't have to talk about that part. Except that's literally what we're going to talk about. Oral Roberts, his son Richard, and those inspired by him have spread this message far and wide and have very much so normalized it. Seed faith, sometimes known as the prosperity gospel, has become a very controversial method and, quite frankly, in my opinion, it's a way to take advantage of the desperate and it's a very popular trend among televangelists. But has it always been this way? Did Oral Roberts intend this from the start? Well, that's what we're going to take a look at on today's episode of The Corporate Casket. And while I was preaching, the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart. Mm -hmm. I heard every word he said, give your week's salary in the offering right now. And I said back to the Lord, you mean right here in my seat? He said, yes, I'm inside. Well, isn't it big? Oh, you have tuberculosis in both lungs. Yes, sir. Oh, God. Mrs. Anna 
Eddie, what makes you think Christ will heal you? Because I just know him well. In my Savior's name, let him talk for the rest of his life without stammering your And think about the miracle of sheep faith. It's the joy of my life. It was in a dire strait of circumstances where I was at the end of my rope financially. I was pastor of a small church in Enid, Oklahoma. In want to make it clear that I cannot heal. I do not claim any healing power. We didn't have a place Holy to live. We've been called to pastor that church. We'll start with discussing seed faith because that's one of the things he's most known for pioneering. You simply can't search his name without seeing seed faith or prosperity gospel in the same sentence. So first and foremost, what's important to understand about Roberts is that he was the son of a poor Pentecostal preacher and farmer. Then as a teenager, he nearly died from tuberculosis. He'd later go on to claim that he was miraculously healed from this, built up his own Pentecostal church, and told anyone who would listen that he was special and talked directly with God. Of course, it makes sense a, a near-death experience might change somebody, and maybe Roberts felt more important believing that God saved him. That doesn't make it true, but this, along with his seeming obsession with money, is what formed his faith healing and prosperity gospel style of preaching. They're two halves of the same coin. But let's not drone on and on about what seed faith is. Chances are, if you're here, you probably know, and if you don't, I'm sure you understand the general sentiment by now. Instead, I want to stress what made Oral Roberts an especially unique prosperity gospel preacher, blackmail and manipulation. Now, while Joel Osteen is, in my opinion, an absolute scumbag for pressuring his congregation to donate, regardless of their financial status, Oral Roberts takes it one step further. His actions in the 1980s are a prime example of this. See, at the start of the decade, Roberts was involved in some construction projects. He was trying to spread his message far and wide, from colleges to hospitals, mixing his brand of healing with medicine. And I'm not sure where smacking someone in the face and saying, hey, Jesus may heal you, overlaps with actual science, but I guess that's what Roberts was trying to find out. Come that September, he said in a fundraising letter that he had seen a 900-foot image of Jesus standing over a three-building complex at Oral Roberts University. According to Roberts, this was a sign that his City of Faith Medical Center, which had been running into financial roadblocks, would be completed. But it didn't go over well. Quote, a state citizen's advocate claimed Colorado residents were being subjected to scare tactics, the letters hinting that their souls would not be saved if they did not donate. It's all in the seed. Now let's go to Ephesians. While Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, and countless other preachers have been inspired by Oral Roberts, I think this has to be one of the worst things we've seen a televangelist do. He might as well have told his congregation, I saw Jesus and he said you're going to hell if you don't give me money for this hospital. Plus, since it was a hospital that Roberts was building, it may have seemed like a just and worthy cause. But trying to bend the truth with lies, faith healing and medicine is never a worthwhile endeavor. I think it's gross. A couple years went by and Roberts tried to explain himself. On the show Donahue in 1982, he said that it was a vision with his inner eyes, not his physical ones. He told the host that he had been standing in front of the unfinished building praying, quote, my inner eyes, not my physical eyes, saw my savior just rise up above behind it and stand above it. And I felt him speaking in my heart that I told you, you couldn't build it. 
but I've spoken to your partners and if you will trust me, I will build it through you. And I mean, look, yeah, I don't think any of us really believed that he saw a Jesus standing, you know, three times the size of Statue of Liberty in person. I don't think anyone took that verbatim. Maybe some people did, but I most certainly didn't when I heard that quote, but whatever. I'm pretty sure other people would have noticed if like a real 900 foot tall Jesus suddenly appeared out of nowhere. But anyway, maybe Roberts just thinks he's better than everyone else and only he was allowed to see it. I don't know. Could he have a bit of a God complex himself? Maybe, but the point is it didn't happen physically. But if any of these followers were in any doubt of that, why did it take him two years to clarify? Why effectively threaten his congregation with a Jesus that he only saw in his mind? Plus, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's any part in the Bible where Jesus tells pastors that they could condemn people to hell for not donating. You'd think that after this scandal, Oral Roberts would maybe watch his tongue a bit, maybe not threaten people for not giving him money at the very least. Unfortunately, this is not the case. Instead, Roberts went all out and told everyone that if he couldn't receive $8 million in donations within three months, he was going to die. And I'm not kidding, that, that's the real message. In January, 1987, he boldly pronounced God would call him home unless he got $8 million by March 31st. Apparently, this was to create a medical missionary scholarship program. The funds were raised, but just like a bad April Fool's joke, the New York Times wrote on April 1st, 1987, that Roberts already needed more money to make the program work. At least this time his life wasn't at stake, I guess. Now, as for how he justified himself this time around, he explained that it was the media's fault for making him seem so greedy. He went so far as to say that the devil almost tricked us because the news media had sensationalized the story when this was for a scholarship, nothing bad. And since it's such a good cause, Roberts felt fine comparing his critics to actual devils. God had said to him that he had to raise this $8 million, therefore anyone objectifying his cause was just denying God. This too is another trope that we have seen unfortunately extend into the modern day. We see it with the far-right extremists, politicians, televangelists, you name it. Some far-right Christians have even claimed that it was the devil who fired Tucker Carlson because they hate his message of truth. Ah, uh, I, I don't know. I just... Okay. Kenneth Copeland and his followers have said that the mainstream media has ambushed them and that they demonized him and that they gaslight Christians. And while I won't say that this is all thanks to Oral Roberts, there really is no denying that he promoted and loves this kind of childish behavior. Using the terms sex assigned at birth rather than birth gender is not gaslighting, by the way, in case that needed saying. Now, truly, I'm already beyond disgusted with Oral and we're, what, not even halfway through the episode? It's pretty impressive how this guy went from thinking, maybe God saved me and I'm special, to I talk to God and if you don't give me money, I'll imply that you're not going to heaven. Unfortunately, while I may consider him a blatant money hustler, as did Martin Gardner, who reviewed his work in 1987, there are so many more who consider him an inspiration. Quote, Osteen's latest book would not be on the New York Times bestseller list like his others if Roberts had not made it acceptable to believe that God blesses believers with very concrete material gifts, cash, a bigger house, or in Roberts' case, a shiny green Buick. It's Oral Roberts who made this behavior normal. It's Oral Roberts who made it acceptable to be a greedy, materialistic televangelist. He set the stage and then handed the microphone off to Osteen, Copeland, and his son. And honestly, fuck him for that. But thus far, we've only discussed his theology around money. 
Let's go ahead and flip the coin and get to the other half of what made Oral Roberts, well, Oral Roberts, the faith healing. Millions of people of all faiths come to this great tent to be saved, healed, and witness to what faith in God can do. Some of the things you're about to see, some of the healings, may seem strange if you've not been reading your Bible. For Christ has commanded us to preach and to heal. So to assure you that you're seeing these things as they actually happened, I have put this assurance in the form of a legal affidavit. A copy of this affidavit, duly signed, notarized, and certified, has been... Someone once threw a dead baby at his hands at a revival in California. The fire in Oral Roberts' hands were so mighty that the baby breathed again. This is not some weird metaphor, and I'm not kidding. This is apparently a story that Oral Roberts insists is very true. Even though he could never heal his own broken hip, and he had two heart attacks, and he died by pneumonia, Oral Roberts was an incredible healer that could bring the dead back to life. If he was so damn good at this, I don't know why he wasn't visiting hospitals and helping people more often. But this is the story that he and his followers like to tell. He once even told an audience of 6,000 at his university, quote, I've had to stop a sermon, go back and raise a dead person. It did improve my altar call that night. Of course, Roberts didn't give any details whatsoever because, you know, I don't think it happened. But his son asserted that his father was able to raise the dead. Oral was careful to add that only a doctor could say if the baby he'd revived was truly deceased, but he, the mother, and the crowd all believed it. I suppose we can only hope that Roberts didn't heal the baby the same way he healed everyone else, with, you know, a smack to the forehead. But despite not being a medical professional in any sense of the word, people still look to Roberts for his health knowledge. The New York Times detailed this in their 1983 article about him, writing how he told the world that Jesus declared to him and declared a breakthrough will occur at his medical center. It's funny how his new medical center that combined prayer and medicine was about to have a breakthrough in cancer research, as opposed to, you know, actual established cancer research centers. Quote, One cancer victim who received the appeal said she was disturbed by the attempt to capitalize on her fears. In my judgment, it is both immoral and unchristian, she said, to divert badly needed research dollars from centers like Sloan Kettering. And honestly, I couldn't have really said it better myself. This guy claims he's close to a breakthrough just based on a vision. It seems a lot like his 900-foot Jesus statue claims. Truly though, I think that's what bothers me the most about Oral Roberts. He is so obscenely deluded and thinks so highly of himself that he's willing to put other people's well-being at stake in order for his own endeavors to succeed. For example, when actual cancer patients are calling you unchristian for your actions, you probably definitely messed up somewhere. But it does get hilariously terrible, and I do mean hilarious. A few years after this, in 1987, Oral Roberts was actually sued. And can you take a guess why? Misusing funds? No. Abusing his tax-free status? No. Embezzling from donors? Also no. And while all of these are fantastic reasons and things I'd honestly expect from a televangelist at this point, those are not the reasons. Instead, Oral Roberts single-handedly answered a question I didn't know I even had. Can you sue a faith healer because their promises to heal you failed? The answer, it turns out, is yes. Ruth H. Creech did exactly this, suing Roberts because he failed to cure her hernia. 
Apparently, she had seen an advertisement on television promising a remedy and cure if the viewer went to the City of Faith Hospital, Earl Roberts Hospital, for treatment. She went there in December 1985, but her condition actually worsened. Why? Isn't Roberts able to communicate with God? Couldn't he raise people from the dead? How come he couldn't fix a simple hernia? Honestly, Ruth, these are really great questions. Now, while I assumed that this case would be dismissed, it actually wasn't, and Ruth actually won her case against the hospital. A jury came back and agreed that yes, the hospital had misrepresented itself by saying they could cure any and everything. Admittedly, there were appeals made, and the victory was small compared to how much the hospital received in donations, only $50,000, but a win is a win, and it's the principle of the thing too. But by now, maybe you're wondering why you haven't even heard of this hospital before. And well, that's because it actually closed after eight years of operation. They were tens of millions of dollars in debt, donations had slowed, and people just flat out didn't believe in it anymore. Two years prior, Roberts proved he couldn't help a woman who had a hernia, he demanded money or said he'd literally die, and things simply started falling apart. The hospital and medical school closing was honestly not a surprise to most. Quote, medical student Pat Rice, 30, who came to ORU from San Jose, California said, I've watched doctors leave in droves. I've watched classmates leave in droves. I frankly don't have a lot of confidence in the leadership here from what I've seen and experienced. You get told one thing and other things happen. Now, unfortunately for those students, when transferring elsewhere, they'd have to repeat courses. It may be expensive and annoying for them, but I can't say I'm saddened to hear it. I don't exactly have much faith that the city of faith was doing a great job of educating any young doctor. And I hope Oral Roberts felt ashamed by this, but I highly doubt it. I hope he realized that his legacy of genuinely healing people was a failure because this simply isn't how medicine works. But again, I doubt it. I'm not trying to say that prayer or faith or any of that is useless, but a man who thinks his fiery hands brought a baby back from the dead should not be running a hospital. And I hope he does have trouble living with himself because of it. But again, I kind of doubt it. Truthfully, I think all of it is doubtful that he feels any remorse, regret, or has any trouble living with himself. I think a man as prideful and arrogant as Oral Roberts has no shame whatsoever. But at the very least, in his final years, he did face another massive failure, one that actually involved his son. Welcome, Welcome to ORU. Hi, I'm Charmaine Mukherjee from Harare, Zimbabwe. And I'm Elijah Smith from Oral Ada. Roberts was 89 and semi-retired when his son Richard brought an absolute overwhelming amount of shame to his father's university. Now, before I get into the scandal, let me explain something about Oral Roberts University or ORU. First and foremost, it is a deeply religious school with deeply religious students. I know there are a ton of Catholic colleges out there. It's not as if religious colleges are completely unheard of or anything. But when I say ORU was next level, I mean it. And if anyone has had the great displeasure of ever having to go to Catholic school, whether it's high school, middle school, but just in particular high school, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I describe the dress code to you. ORU required that skirt and dress lengths must not exceed four inches above the middle of the knee, including a slit in the dress or skirt. No cleavage permitted. This includes formal wear. Shorts for anyone is not acceptable with a few rare exceptions, such as sunbathing. And no, you can't wear a bathing suit or sports bra when sunbathing, but shorts and t-shirts only. ORU also requires consistent chapel and church attendance, no drinking, no sex, and you must allow your photo to be taken on campus. 
I could go on and on and on and on forever, but this college campus is treating 18 to 22 year olds, whatever, adults, essentially like they're back in middle school or high school. They're dictating dress code, but also bodily autonomy. Students have complained, totally, but it doesn't really do them much good. Bailey wrote on Unigo that their rules were narrow-minded. Quote, college is a place where you learn about yourself and become an adult. So why does the school insist on treating its students like children? Rosalind complained about curfew. Brittany said the dress code is strict. And Rachel said the city has a lot of wind. And sorry, Rachel, not sure we can help you there, but I get the point. But at least these are adults. Adults who have consented to the rules. Why, I'm not sure, and I'll never understand because the second I could get away from that, I did. But they chose to attend this school of their own volition. But here's the kicker. You'd think that a school with such an incredibly high standard and rules would hold its administration to the same high bar. No, you'd be wrong. People in positions of power holding themselves accountable? That is so funny because that just doesn't happen here. Seriously though, Richard Roberts himself was a massively corrupt, gaping asshole of a human at this school. He and his wife allegedly spent a ton of university money on themselves. Of course, Oral Roberts said this didn't happen and blamed the devil for trying to steal ORU, but let's not blame the devil for your shitty son. After all, you raised him to be a greedy, money-hungry fraud, didn't you? Now, the school did end up in about $52 million of debt, and in 2007, the LA Times said that a bunch of Richard's money went to political campaigns, home remodeling, using a jet for his daughter's senior trip, a red Mercedes convertible, a Lexus SUV, tens of thousands of dollars on clothing, and non-academic scholarships to friends of the wife's children. And on a weirdly gross note, the wife also apparently sent, quote, scores of text messages on university-issued cell phones to underage males. Richard resigned amidst the scandal and Oral Roberts, fittingly called the evangelist preacher who worshiped money by the Irish Times, passed away a short while later. Frankly, I hope that he knew people were starting to see through his bullshit, but again, I think maybe his ego was so big he just chooses not to see that. I hope that when he passed, he believed his legacy was in danger. Maybe that's a bit too harsh, but considering he lived almost an entire century of deception, greed, and threatening people with eternal damnation, I'm not too sorry for that. Unfortunately, Robert's legacy wasn't in danger. Back in 2009, they actually had to pay $300,000 to resolve fraud allegations claiming that they had incentive-based compensation. In short, they were misusing federal dollars. Big surprise, said literally nobody ever. And yet the following year, someone that must have had only one brain cell decided that the university should receive more federal funding. I didn't know they allowed orange cats to make decisions in federal funding, but here we are anyway. Here's the quote. Despite policies that LGBTQ activists called discriminatory, Oral Roberts University received a $7.3 million award in 2020 under the CARES Act and another $9.1 million under an education stabilization fund, according to a federal funding database. That's in addition to regular financial aid dollars. And I just really hate this. They misused federal funding. They had to pay a massive fine for it. They discriminate against LGBTQ students. But a year later in 2020, the feds just said, let's just give them more money. Honestly, is it any wonder that these schools still exist? No one holds them accountable. This same article discusses how students have attempted to sue the institution, but the same lawsuit was dismissed earlier this year. 
ORU has gotten away with financial abuse and, in my opinion, now they're attempting to get away with abusing their students. One gay man, Andrew Hartzler, had to hide who he was for fear of being expelled, sign a pledge to only have straight sex, and only when he was married and was effectively taught to hate himself at college. His parents pushed him to attend and even pushed for conversion therapy, but it wasn't until his senior year that Andrew learned how truly hateful Oral really was, preaching hate about gay men and AIDS during the 80s and 90s. The federal government is supposed to protect citizens, people like Andrew. Not only has it failed to do so, but in this instance, it's actually given money to schools that are hateful and discriminatory and used religion as a shield from criticism. But this school, the one that's named after Oral Roberts, is his hateful legacy on earth, among plenty more. Oral Roberts has forever changed religion. And that may sound like an exaggeration, but it's really not. He's the founding father of the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel itself has spread into so many churches and aspects of religion that it's become normalized. Giving with the expectation that God will reward you is encouraged. If you give your last dollar, you'll receive it a thousand times over. But preachers aren't saying this for their congregation's well-being. They're saying it for their own, for the millions that will listen, cave, and give that dollar. At the end of the day, the preacher is the millionaire. I'm not saying be greedy or selfish or never give to a church and never trust a pastor but it's worth at least asking where your money is actually going or giving directly to a cause, right? Robert's healing crusades, all that dramatic faith healing, it also sparked a movement. He towed a line carefully, never telling his followers to ignore medical care, but still telling the world that he brought someone back from the dead. It's how he wasn't wholly dismissed as ridiculous from the onset, honestly. But at the end of the day, I still believe that he's ultimately just a hypocrite. He's featured a mini-skirted song and dance troupe on his weekly television program to encourage younger viewers, but his school would surely suspend or expel a student for wearing such outfits. He insisted anyone who gave to him would be blessed when he was eager to empty pockets, and even threatened his own life to do so. Ole Roberts was, in my opinion, one hell of a con man. I'm not sure that he deserves any more credit than that. But with all of that being said, that's where we're ending today's episode. I hope you learned something new today, and if you did, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. As always, I really appreciate you spending some of your time here with me today, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye!